0: is doubled by our generous mattress and you can come in at the ground floor yes last year over one million people enjoyed our podcasts you as well i hope and i believe we can get to 10 million this year but we need your help it's only one day a year that we ask we need your contribution we need your partnership we love your partnership and your friendship Please contribute at givetorch.net, givetorch.net. Every dollar is matched. I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Unboxing Judaism podcast. My name is Rabbi Ari Wolby.
1: And I'm Jakob Nagel. It's a pleasure to be here. And this is our second the second episode. Right, it
0: really is fantastic. And thank you, everyone, who's been listening and watching our first podcast, uh, we're really excited. I'm really excited. Thrilled. And, yeah. So, and Baruch Hashem, we're getting very nice feedback. So we're thrilled. I uh, hope you continue to enjoy. I hope we're, we're able to continue to be uh, sharing words of Torah and, Jew- and Jewish wisdom with the world. Yeah. So the topic we chose for this week is the idea of being a judge. Uh, not to judge, not to rush to judgment. And... uh you want to hit it off with uh, what, what, what was it referred to in the Mishnah when are we were talking about having masunim badin, uh, being uh, cautious with rushing to
1: judgment? Right. The word misunim is an unusual word. And basically, masunim means be methodical, I think is the problem. Deliberate. A, a deliberate, deliberate, think through before judging. And although most people like to talk about that's a judge, and that's somebody who sits on a court, which of course is extremely important. After all, somebody's life is in hand. I still remember many, many years ago, we, um, there was a person in the community who was, this is before I moved to Houston, so it's no one local, but uh, there was a person who was um, went to court and he was being accused of a very serious crime. And I never realized, you know, we go through Rosh Hashanah and Kippur and we always think about, oh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and like we're being judged. But We don't have a realization what that is. But this person stood to stand serious. He was innocent of the crime that he was uh, accused of. It was arson or something. But um, the feeling was palpable because the ha- the it was in the judge's hands and everyone in the community were writing letters to the judge to like, have mercy on this person. It was like a mitzvah guy who always looked to help others. And really, if you want to know the secret of the story, he was actually covering for for he knew who the guilty person was and he didn't want to rat him out. And he was covering for it. And fascinating story. But the bottom line is, is that you get a real sense of what it's like when a judge is judging and somebody's life is in his hands, how important that is, of course, to be thorough, to think it through, not to rush to judgment. So of course There, the stakes are extremely high. But what I think is mostly lost on most of us is how often we find ourselves in a a position of judging others. And that's really who it's talking to. It's talking to you and me in our everyday about how careful we need to be before judging. Think things through. Be methodical, thorough. Don't jump to conclusions. And that's really... Um, what the topic is that we're going to discuss. Okay.
0: And so it, it's, it really is, you just mentioned that, uh, someone sitting, sitting in court. I want, to, I want to share with you, a friend of mine told me that he had met an old friend of his. Classmates from 20 years, 30 years earlier, they lost contact, but they suddenly met. And uh, one went to one path towards uh, Torah observance and the other went to a very different path. He had uh, businesses that were very, very um, ethically and morally, uh, you know, questionable, yeah, de- depraved. And uh, he says to his now Torah observant friend, he says to him, I heard this from the individual. He said to him, you remember our rabbi we had back in day school? He says he came to one of my clubs. He was there at one of my clubs. Now, this individual I was talking to is a Torah observant Jew. And he says, I know that rabbi, right? I know the rabbi. It's not true. It never happened. He was just saying it. He was saying it for a fact. He was saying it to be. He says, but you know something, he says, I was never able to look at that rabbi again with the same respect that I had previously. He said, it just took away, even though I knew the story wasn't true, it took away my ability to to respect them the way I used to respect them. We are all judges. However we cut the cake, we're all judges. We judge every single moment. When we're sleep, when we're asleep, we judge whether or not this is the right time to wake up or whether we should hit the, the snooze button.
1: We're constantly That's making That's an judgment, internal judge. That's being a judge of ourselves. But we're making decisions. The idea a of judgment.
0: a judge is you need to decide one way or another. We're judging. Should I be nice to this person? Should I not be nice to this person? Should I get angry? Should I not get angry? Uh, we're we're constantly making judgment calls every moment of our day, and what the Mishnah really essentially is telling us, I think, is "Heaven a Deliberate. Don't rush the judgment. Don't don't be uh, don't be uh, you know pachas kamayim. Right. We see about Yaakov. He was talking about Ruvin, That Ruvin was was uh, you know he was he wasn't impatient. He, he was, was yeah he was. He was. He didn't think it through. He didn't think think it through. And I think that it's something which is critically important for us to to be aware that there are implications for us not being uh, deliberate. For us to run to judgment on someone else, for sure, but even on ourselves to not give ourselves the right amount of time to think about what it is that I'm doing. What am I? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get angry, I'm going to be upset. Why? Why am I doing this? Is it necessary? Particularly with our children, when we talk about education, how we react to something a child does, many people respond impulsively on to a situation without thinking it through. Is this right for this child? Is it right for this situation? Is it right for, you know, these things need to be deliberated. And we need to, we're all judges. At the end of the day, we need to realize even though we don't sit in the Supreme Court and maybe we're not, you know, Rabbi Nagel, for those of you who don't know, uh, is a member. I do sit on the court. He does. He actually sits on a court. He's a member of the Houston Bet Din. Uh, and uh, it's. it really is an amazing thing that people come for real judgment, uh, whether it be conversions or otherwise, financial matters. Uh, it's. It's a very serious thing to, and we need to be careful not to rush to judgment, but on a regular day to day, to ordinary people like myself who don't sit on a
1: court, uh, it's a we're constantly judging situations around us. Right. So I just wanna I just wanna clarify and what really what you're talking about. Um, there's a very very famous Tzav way back in Sefer Dvarim. Uh, it talks about judges. It says Shoftim bishotrim titen shearecha. So this Dvar Torah goes back to the Ariza HaKadosh, the the Holy Ari, the great Kabbalist. And uh, he interprets that when it says She'arecha, it means your gates. It means the gates of your body, which is the way you interact with the world around you, needs judges and needs policemen. And that's really what you're talking about. The judgment that we need to make before speaking, before we, we say something. Is this the right thing to say? Is this the wrong thing to say? That's a judgment call. Is this the right thing to look at? Or is this the wrong thing to look at? All these things. Should I listen to this? Should I not listen to this? Definitely listen to this. Okay, whatever, just, just a plug. But anyway, these are the things. These are judgments that we're making all the time. I want to share a short story. This is, I have brothers that are uh, identical twins. And they were went through grade school together. And to put it this way, they weren't like the, top students of their class. And it really started in, I don't want to get too, too detailed, in one of the younger grades, they had a teacher yeah. who, as a joke, as a light joke, when they didn't get the answer of a question right, so they said, oh, that makes sense. They're twins, so they each have half a brain. The stupidest, cutest, uh, just a simple joke. I want you to know the truth is that my brothers, who are, one's a professor, the other one works in computers, very smart, no question about it. For their entire grade school and high school, they were convinced that if the rabbi said it must be true, and they literally co- did not do a stitch of work. And they were convinced. They just, look, what am I supposed to do? I have, I have a brain. I have a brain. and can't get much results. Silly line that I don't think the rabbi thought even a second long about before until finally they made it to college and they realized that that they're quite smart okay and they, and then they finally made, made something of it themselves, but uh just the, they realized that they were able to do well with, with you know I guess that's when you don't realize being in a yeshiva environment that you have a good head or whatever it is that you have capabilities. But that's an, uh, that's a, such a, such a small thing that somebody says, without that judgment in advance, can can affect so much. And literally, for for their entire grade school and high school, they were at the bottom of the class. That's what they they brought up the the, the rear of the class, all because of a little joke, little line, that wasn't judged before.
0: You know, you, you remind me of a when I was in second grade. Uh, a friend of mine, one of my classmates, asked a question in class. And either the rabbi had a bad day or he was a terrible educator. But he said, that is a stupid question uh, from a second grader. And I remember that throughout all of grade school, I never asked a question again. That's it. I never asked a question again because I was afraid to get, ask a stupid question. Right. I wasn't gonna take that risk of asking a question. That Being was, told that uh, your question is stupid. Can you right? imagine? And this is from second grade. Right, That's so a long time. It's a lot. Yeah. So I remember, I remember that I met up with a classmate. We eventually moved away. That was when I was in Brooklyn. We moved to Muncie, uh, a block away from you. And uh, and I remember I met up with a classmate of mine many years later. And I said to him, you remember this, this class? You remember this? He says, yeah, you know, it's very interesting because I never either ask questions in class. I'm always afraid. Now I remember why. It was because of that. It's, yes. such, a, it's such a tremendous uh, influence that, um, that parenting educators have on, their, on, on children. And that's another example of how we need to deliberate and be very, very thoughtful and careful about the words we use. We're talking about all relationships. The most important relationship is the relationship with the Almighty, of course. And we'll talk about that soon. But the relationship with the spouse, if we don't have the proper judgment, if we, the relationship with our children, if we don't have the proper judgment, could be catastrophic. It, it really is an amazing thing. I wanna share with you an amazing story I heard. Uh, I shared this in one of the classes, so excuse me if you heard it, but there was a, there was a family who lived in Ashdod, a very, very poor family. And the girl uh, got engaged, and the father, of course, is very happy. His daughter's engaged and he's going to make a wedding. But he's terrified because he doesn't have any money. So he goes to the, to the rabbi of his synagogue and he tells the rabbi, you know, we're, we're in, in a situation where, you know, we're, we need to marry off our daughter. We're very excited, but we really don't have the means. She so he said, no problem. Well, I'll put together a little fundraiser, uh, you know, uh, a silent fundraiser and we'll be able to raise some funds for you. So uh, sure enough, they put together a sum of money that he was able to respectfully marry off his daughter. Comes the day of the wedding and people come to the wedding and people are absolutely disgusted. It is the most, uh the most um opulent. It is the most ostentatious. It, 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 yeah, it is a wedding that's over the top. top. It's over the top with the, with the drapes and with the flowers and with the food. And it's just a, a, a they, they can't believe it. And this is someone who came to get community funds, to get charity funds. You know, for their daughter's wedding, and this is the type of wedding he throws. It, it was just, it, people were just beside themselves and disgusted. The next day he comes to Shul, nobody wants to sit next to him. Everyone's looking at him. The day after his daughter's wedding, he's hoping, oh, people come save. Mazel tov, mazel tov. Not a word. Everyone's moving away from him. Nobody wants to look in him, no one wants to talk to him. He's, he's very sad that he doesn't know what to do, so he goes to the rabbi. He says to the rabbi, you know, it seems like nobody's there. Everyone's upset at me. I don't, I don't know what, what's going on. one's even saying mazel tov to me. You know, my, I just married off my daughter yesterday. He says, what do, you, what do you expect from us? He says, you came to me. You said you needed money. And this is the type of wedding you throw down? This is the type of wedding? I mean, this is like none of us who do have ability to marry off our children. We don't throw such a fancy wedding. And this is the wedding you throw? He says, let me tell you the story. He says you gave me a sum of money and i went to the caterer and i told him i need to make a wedding with this amount of money this is what i have so he says no problem he gives me an application i fill out the application and he looks at the application he says you're you're so-and-so he says yes he says who was your father he tells him his father's name he says that was your father he says your father saved my father's life in the Holocaust. He says, and we've been looking our whole lives. We've, we heard the story of this guy who saved our father's life. And we wanted to find a way to pay back, to thank. He says, I'll take this money. I'm making a wedding for you that'll be, that you'll never. He says, no, 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 please. We're simple people. Don't. He, says, he says, when we walked in as the family, when we walked into the wedding, we couldn't believe our own eyes. We were so embarrassed that, the, you know, it's like we, we couldn't believe it. But he said, no, he, 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 was, he was determined that he's insisting that he's going to pay back our family to show appreciation that that my father saved his father's life.
1: Wow. Amazing story.
0: It's an amazing story. Right. So, of course, the rabbi spoke in front of the congregation and explained how they all made a mistake in judgment. rushing to judgment and judging someone the wrong way. And I think it's so critically important. We see. What do you mean? They came to be asked for a donation. I was at the wedding. I saw it. It's not like I heard from third source. I heard from somebody else. I was there. And we still are missing the facts. Right? We all have situations that come up and we don't realize that, yeah, you have some of the facts, but not all of the facts. You're missing part of the story. And in every situation, we meet people, we talk to people, we're in shul, we're in synagogue, we're, 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 we're meeting with friends, we're at a family event and, you know, someone says something and we misinterpret it. We misunderstand it. We don't, we don't have the full context of what's going on. And sometimes, again, like in this story, we think we do have the full context and we still don't. Beautiful. It, it really is a remarkable uh, task. in our sages, right at the beginning of, of, of ethics of our fathers, boom, right out of the gate, have a Don't Don't rush to judgment. You're rushing to judgment, you're missing the picture. I think it also, if, if, you, if you'd agree, maybe uh, the idea also applies to studying Torah. Many times when we study Torah, we think we have the full picture. We have the full perspective. I learned through, I looked at the, at the verse, I looked at the commentaries, I looked at all, and I have a clear picture. Don't rush to judgment. There's still a whole nother perspective. There's a whole nother way you can look at this, at at this, at this, at this verse. And you can look at it. We know that there's pardes, which is the four different levels of understanding is the pshat, the remes, the drush, the sod. Uh, We'll hopefully get to it in another one of our podcasts. We'll be able to discuss each of them. But these are different layers of understanding of Torah. Sometimes a person says, oh, I got the understanding. I know it. I have the definitive explanation. You open up a page of Talmud, you see that there's a whole nother perspective. You open up a a Shulchan Aruchet, the the code of Jewish law, and you see suddenly a different perspective. You look at Rambam, and it's a totally different perspective. And they're all right. And I think that's why the Mishnah begins with this first idea of having a don't rush to judgment, because there's a different perspective. You only have your vision, you have your understanding, but someone else can see a totally different perspective of, of, of how things are, how things are. All I see is my peripheral vision can lead me it's 150 degrees about but we have a whole 360 around us right you see what's behind me I don't see what's behind me right we have
1: a different perspectives we all have our blind spots I think that's one of the reasons why the the way Torah is studied is with partners with somebody else a study partner and the idea behind that is is that that everyone naturally brings to bear their own way they see things and by learning together with someone else and getting a different perspective that enriches their own. And they recognize that there's another way to see things. And that's I think part of the reason why Torah is studied this specifically this way so that everyone can gain the ability to see a different way of seeing things. And from that, they can learn how to deliberate in in judgment by recognizing that, Hey, I know to me it's so clear this way but my study partner it's obvious to him the other way. Wait a second, let's think it through. There's more to the story. There's another way to see things, another way to to look at things. And that's a that's what I think is really why we study Torah that way. Anyway.
0: No, it's 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 an amazing thing that, you know, two people studying together in Yeshiva, I remember we learned with a chabursa, with a study partner. And uh you know we have our perspective and we're sure of our perspective oh,
1: definitely We're sure that
0: I got it I've got it right I know what you know I know how to understand this this uh, this line of the, of, of the of, of study and and then you have a, a study partner who and that's why we need a lot of humility we need a lot of acceptance. Uh, it's it's a, a big work on traits mm. to uh, to study with a study partner because when I learn myself i, I don't I don't argue with myself. But I know with someone else. We can we can get into that argument, and that is the beauty of it. The beauty of it is that you're able to fight your your side. You're able to see your perspective, understand your perspective, and 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 go and for argue it, and argue, and that's part of the beauty of Torah, because they they could both be right. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing. We never see a compromise in Jewish law. There's no compromise. Uh, you know, one opinion says the sukkah could be twenty amas. The other one says 10. Let's just compromise in 15. You don't see a compromise. It it's either 10 or it's 20. One of them is, but we don't see that one is right and one is wrong, right? As, as the Talmud tells us, right? They're both right. But we apply halachic rulings. The, the, the law will follow one
1: of them. It doesn't mean the other was a failure. The other was wrong, right? Am I That's wrong correct. on that? No, that is correct. It's, a, it's, a, it's important to recognize that there's another perspective happens to be, um, this is one of the areas that, that many people have difficulty with. Um, how, this idea of, of both sides, how can both sides be right? One must be right. And uh, so there's a beautiful uh, pirush in the section. It says, it talks about the idea and uh, we mentioned in Parsha Shoftim. So it discusses over there that when the rabbis tell you something, it says, Lo min adavar sheri. Don't don't diverge from what they tell you to the right or to the left. So my daughter just shared with me; she's studying in seminary, and she said that the kliyakar over there discusses why, of all opposites, did it pick the opposite of the right and left? Why not night and day? You know, um, you know, up and down. What's the right and left? The answer is is that is that right and left is a question of perceptive perspective. If I'm facing one way, my right hand is this way. When you're facing the opposite, well, your right hand is on the other side. It's perspective that's very important. And you have to recognize when listening to the rabbis that there's a different perspective that they're looking at. That's very interesting. That's the idea. Powerful, powerful message. The... the,
0: yeah. You could be right that it's right or that it's left, but you have to look the other perspective
1: and see mm-hmm. that it's the opposite. <laughs> right. When you turn around, right. It's like, right. Not your right isn't always isn't his right. It's somebody right. It's your right because you're facing this way. Um maybe you're going the wrong direction. That's also a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um but the the discussion on this idea of listening, even when you know that they are wrong, what does that mean? You have to recognize is that Really, the Torah works in such a way that there are many correct, true perspectives that are also part of Torah. And we follow the part of Torah that where the more reasons are going. There's a concept of majority rule. So if there's a myriad of possibilities whether this thing should be allowed or not allowed, so then that means that we go by what the majority of, of the of the ways to perceive this, and that's how we need to follow in practical law. But that doesn't mean that the other ways that would come up with a opposite conclusion are wrong. They're just the minority, and sometimes the minority can come to the fore. And that's really the concept It's fascinating when you think about why that works, though how that. So there's an it explains with this the the Purushin that I would I'm referring to. I think it's the More of a shemesh in uh, one of the commentaries in the in the chumash, and he says basically that um, he says that that's why there's a concept in the talmud that says that a true talmud chacham should know seventy ways to show why a sheretz, which is a non kosher animal, is tahor, is pure, and how can that be? There's no there, the, the that that's wrong. It's wrong. The answer is it's not wrong it's a perspective it's a value it's really true just most of the ways and the final outcome is that it's not allowed but you have to have a full awareness of all the different ways of perceiving things before you can judge and that's what the message is it's fascinating and you know in life, it, it, it reminds
0: yeah. me of an amazing story i heard many years ago about the, the vilna gohn the gohn of vilna so when he was very young, he would, he was already a, a, a biblical scholar. Uh, he was a scholar For of them. biblical pro- proportions, and he uh, he already had learned all of Torah. He had learned all of the the prophets and the writings and Talmud. When he was nine years old, seven years old, or nine years old, he had already concluded the Talmud. And he was learning um, one of the commentaries, and it said, V kuf." Now that means, and it's a little difficult. It'sat Right. It's a little difficult. It's not, you know, it's a, look into it a little bit more, but it's not, you know, it's not such a major issue. But the way he saw it as a young boy was, kushius. there are 100 questions. Right. So he came up with 100 questions on this matter. <laughs> right. And then someone explained to the Gona Vilna as a young boy that it, not, it really means that it's not so difficult. <laughs> so he had to come up with 100 answers to the 100 questions. But it's just an amazing thing, Uh, the the, the brilliance of of the Gaon of Vilna. You can come up with the questions. You have to be able to come up with the answers as well. But there's one halachic ruling that we learn that is just, to me, always remarkable. And I I love this idea the Talmud brings that if a court, uh, uh, court is presiding over a case and everybody sees this individual as guilty, all the judges, and no one is able to find even one merit For the side of the defendant. Innocent. He's innocent. You throw out the case. What? Everybody unanimously votes this person is guilty? No. He becomes innocent. Why? If no one can see the other perspective, there's something flawed in the judgment. Right. You have to have an opposing view. You have to have someone who's able to see some merit in this
1: individual that will, will help I think that it also comes to uh, that comes to the fact that there is no circumstance which isn't which doesn't have more than one side to it. That's part of the lesson. And if they cannot see it, then they can't see everything. They're missing part of it because there's always factors, always. And that's part of the lesson of having masunim Be careful. Be deliberate in judgment because there's always going to be another perspective. And that's part of what we're saying here is that if they, nobody saw it, then. They didn't see fully, and that's sometimes, and that means it's a flawed judgment. Yeah. Anyway,
0: amazing. Yeah, it's a, we're we're filled we're filled in this world, uh, our modern day world with so many different perspectives. You know, I one of the things I tell uh, students in, in the Musser class, uh, you know, when you want to work on patience, why don't you take somebody out that you believe has very very different political views than you? take them out for lunch, take them out for coffee and spend the entire time talking about politics. You know, you can have two people go together uh, for coffee. Imagine this. And one believes in being pro-life and one believes in being pro-choice and spend an hour arguing out the, the, you know, without hating, without getting angry, without threatening, without just not, not only to be civil, but to be respectful and to understand that someone is okay if they have a different perspective not everyone needs to see things the way you see things not everyone needs to believe exactly the way mm. you believe and people have a very difficult time with that the mm. people today become so irrational and so worked up by my perspective needs to be the right perspective and everybody else is wrong
1: right i just want to share it's interesting like in in study especially we tend to glance at something we see, it. and in our first, in immediate, we have an immediate reaction, a gut reaction, like of something that we're studying or something that we perceive, and that's how we look at it. And then, as the questions come up, we're going to, what we're looking for is not questions, answers. Oh, no, that that's not relevant. Oh, this thing, oh, that's something else. This, that has nothing to do with it. Why? Because we are defending our initial reaction because we don't want that feeling of, Oh, I'm wrong. I made a mistake in the way I originally perceived it. That's the idea of having mesuma Be deliberate, which means don't be quick to judge. Wait. I don't know what the full story is. I, um, I'm not sure. I'm going here with open eyes to see things and to find out. It's exploratory. It's different. And most of the time, we're busy defending our position that we spend literally a half a second on and we're fighting and fighting and fighting about that position for, you know, because I, it was my position. It must be true. Okay. If I said it, it must be true. And that's really the mistake. It's like, well, maybe we shouldn't be forming a position right away. Let's explore. Let's find out that uh, that's a very big part of what it means to be deliberate in judgment. Wait before we're not ju- issuing a judgment immediately we're listening we're just gathering information and slowly but surely after hearing more and more positions that's when we can start forming an opinion that's part of what it means to be deliberate
0: amazing you know i remember when the uh when the oj simpson case was uh, you know the front lines of every magazine and every broadcast it was they were talking about this big case and, and i remember when the jury got together and they decided that he was acquitted mm-hmm. And uh, there was a big discussion after synagogue uh, uh, services Shabbos morning about whether or not he was guilty or whether or not he was innocent. And I remember I had a neighbor of mine who was in law school, and uh, he says, "Well, uh, of course he's innocent." And we're like, "What? It's like, are you crazy? How can he?" Now, I was, I was a, I was in my, in my, in my mid-teens. And I was like, okay, everybody knows he killed, he killed you know, his, his wife and, and, her, and her boyfriend. And it's like, everybody knows that he's guilty. Everybody, it's like, you know. See, he said to me an amazing thing. And I, and I was questioned and disturbed by how can he think that someone like this would be actually innocent. I mean, it's like, you know, see, he said an amazing thing. He says, in law, one of the things that they teach you is to learn the other person's perspective. Because if you're not able to learn the other person's perspective, you're not able to beat him. It means you have to understand the other person's rationale. And then by understanding the other person's rationale, you're able to now outsmart him. He says, if you're not able to see the other person's perspective, then you're just just blind to your own opinion. And I think it's such a fundamental principle, mm-hmm. right? Not, the, the story is, is irrelevant, the, the OJ story, right? It's irrelevant to, to this, the idea that we need to be able to see another person's perspective, even
1: though, you know, in our gut, in our... Even to disagree, you need to see. Exactly. That's the point. right? Especially. Right. <laughs> exactly. Because if I don't hear another person's perspective,
0: how can I disagree with them? Mm-hmm. I can only disagree when i when i when, when you fully when understand I fully understand and take it into consideration and say no i don 't agree after that point, but it 's an amazing thing that you know we we are in a world today that is so polarized politically where people have very very strong political opinions about uh, israel uh about the united states We're we 're fortunate to to be living in, in in an amazing time where torah study like we 're doing right now. It's not forbidden. We're not being taken to the gallows. We don't or, have to be.
1: Then we're, we're playing Drado right
0: Exactly. Now. <laughs> we don't have to pretend that. right? Today happens to be the seventh day of Hanukkah. Tonight we'll be lighting the eighth, night of, uh, the eighth light of Hanukkah. So, yes, it's very apropos. But we don't have to hide and, we, and we, we're not taken. they don't have mass killings of Jews, you know, because of our observance of, of, of Torah. And it's, it's, it's an amazing thing that we're able to live in such a society. But yet we find that there are many, many Jews who believe one way and there are many, many Jews who believe another way. There are many of our neighbors and friends who believe differently than us potentially in, in politics. And people rush to judgment. There's news stories today, every day, that are, 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 are telling us stories that we don't know if we, if we can or cannot believe the, the, the sources, Right. Fake news. And, yeah, well, you have the you have the advent of fake news, but you have also just all of
1: the all of the, no one the knows what nobody knows
0: what is true and what isn't true, and I think that it's even more appropriate today not to rush to judgment on anyone, the good, the bad, the ugly, without having first hand knowledge of what goes on because none of us really know what happens. They can all be telling us a story, oh, this side and that side, and, and, and the other side also, and everybody's coming up with, right? Now, I just have one of, my, one of my, my, my pet peeves is, I don't understand who gives the right to news agencies to murder people that they don't like. To me, it's, 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 it's really an anomaly. I, I don't understand how anyone has the right because I don't agree with someone politically on the right, the left, it doesn't make a difference that I can just put a, a story out there, even if it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, to murder someone in their public, with their public image, many times for life, they're out, they're done. They mm-hmm. can't get a job, they can't, you know, who wants to marry into that family? Who wants to, and I was there, I saw it. Okay, it doesn't mean that it's, you know, we have laws in the Torah that teach us morals and ethics. It teach us about lashon hara, slander, not to say, and that's when it's referring to truth. Motzi shemra when it's talking about talking about falsehood, but that people just have you know arbitrary, arbitrarily, uh deciding that they're going to put something. They're in the being news. judges. They're being they're, judges,
1: but not deliberate judges. That's the difference. It's interesting. I want to go back to a point that you mentioned, that uh taking the other perspective. Um, there's. Um, two groups in the Talmud and the Mishnayas of sides that are constantly arguing. That's Beis and Beis In fact, we have a number of arguments regarding specifically the holiday of Hanukkah between Beis and Beis And Beis were considered the sharper of the two. But the law inevitably follows Beis The question is why? And part of it, one of the reasons they say is because Beis always put the perspective of Beis in front of their own. Whenever we look in the Mishnah, it lists Beishami's opinion, and then Beishil's opinion. Because Beishil, recognizing perhaps that they're not as smart, they wanted to first hear Beishami's opinion before they formulated their own. And therefore, you'll always find Beishami saying the first opinion, and Beishil following. And that's why the law tends to, will, will, most of the time, be following Beishil, because they took into They took to heart the perspective on the other side. It's interesting. Beautiful.
0: All right, my dear friends, thank you so much for joining us for our second episode of Unboxing Judaism. Um, If you have any questions or have any uh, recommendations for topics uh, or have any comments, we we welcome them with an open heart. We want to hear all the perspectives. A pleasure. uh, Our email is podcast at torchweb.org. And please uh, visit the other podcasts uh, that Torch provides at torchpodcasts.com. Thank you and shalom from Texas. (laughs) All
1: right.